I'm, I'm really excited how we're going to kick things off um, this morning at the 9 o'clock. And so um, Abby Bullock, some of you guys know Abby. Her and her husband, George, their three daughters are part of our church family. And Abby reached out earlier this week and, and just was sharing um, some things that God has been stirring in her heart. And so I um, wanted to just give Abby a chance to just testify to what God is doing. So you guys help me welcome Abby to the stage. Awesome. So... We were going to have two mics, so we're going to have to share a mic, and it's going to work out great. But, you know, Abby, tell us just a little bit about who you are, how long you've been at Ethos, how long you've been in Nashville, what's your least favorite thing about George, just all those things. Just kidding. Um, we moved to Nashville right after graduating from college. We went to the University of Tennessee, George and I. Um, graduated in May, got married in May, moved to Nashville in May. Um, so we li- moved here 2016, um, started attending Ethos fall of 2017. Um, so George and I have been married, I think, eight years now, that is. Um, I don't have a least thing, favorite thing about George. He has a heart of gold. Um, he's a wonderful dad. Yeah, he's my best friend. He's a Vols fan, though. So that's what I was going for. So, <laughs> But you're not going to say that, but I can say that. So, um, No, anyways, seriously, though, you know, um, you shared some really powerful stuff this week. And I'd love for you just to share, like, what, what has God done in your heart? I think there's something just about testimony of, like, just people experiencing the realness of God and what He does. And so I'd love for you just to share what's God had done in your heart, what's He done in your life during Seasons of Awaken, you know, even this year. But I'd love for you just to share a little bit. Um, so I didn't start participating in Awaken until um, 2020. Before that, I kind of, probably like some of you, just showed up during the month of Awaken and pretended that it wasn't happening and I didn't want to give up anything and I didn't want to participate. Um, But in 2020, decided to actually start participating in Awaken and participating in the fast. Um, Before that, I really didn't have any spiritual discipline in my life. Um, Wasn't spending time in the Word, wasn't praying with the Lord. Um, And so 2020 Awaken really started discipline in my life. It started this daily opening the word, praying. Um, And so did that during Awaken 2020 and kind of just didn't stop. My husband and I both, we kind of just created this rhythm, created this discipline. Um, And from that, we just started seeing so much growth. And so we had um, friends over recently, Molly and Josh Willis, and um, they were um, asking about, or we were just testifying to this growth that we're seeing in our lives and just how amazing it is. And, and they were kind of like, you know, when did, that, when did that start for you guys? And after pausing and like thinking on it, I was like, you know what? It was Awaken 2020. Like that's when we really both started to see growth in our lives. And um, yeah, and so just out of curiosity, and in that same conversation with them, I was sharing about how much I wasn't liking the fast this year. So I was like, yeah, I, I just, I really am not enjoying this. It feels like a grind, feels like we've been doing this for a thousand years. <laughs> when is it over type of thing? But then in that same conversation is when I said that Awake is when it all started. And so um, later that week, I went back and pulled out my journal from this time last year, um, just to kind of see what I was thinking that time last year. Um, And on January 23rd, I wrote in my journal, I want to experience God through fasting in a pivotal way. 
Last year, I wasn't pregnant. I wasn't nursing. I felt like I was really able to fully participate last year. Um, so I wrote that in my journal, and I had just this huge list of stuff that I was praying into and fasting for to the point that I had to, like, break it down by day because it was just too much to pray for in one day. Um, so then I found my list of what I had been praying for and asking for last year, and so many of them were answered last year in the calendar year of 2023. Um, so a couple I'll share. Um, one thing I was praying was Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and see if and lead me in the way everlasting. I wouldn't recommend praying that prayer unless you want a brutally honest answer. Um, within the first week, the Lord just kind of tapped on me and said, your anger is offensive to me. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Um, it's really easy to lose your temper and get frustrated with toddlers. And he just kind of tapped that nerve and said, that's offensive to me. Um, so I was able to pray through that and confess that sin. Um, I still work at it, but I'm just so grateful that he revealed that to me and so quickly. Um, another thing I was praying into was growing our family, um, how we were going to do that. We were interested in foster care. We also had two biological children at that point. Um, well, God allowed George and I to both come into alignment on um, what we felt like his path for us was. And nine months later, I had a healthy baby girl. Um, and the last, I, I was um, also praying for spiritual breakthrough in several friendships. Um, and that happened. I have these friendships that are just incredibly life-giving um, now that I just saw so much growth in in this last year. Um, the last thing I'll share that's probably my favorite um, I was praying for healing for my sister, Joy. Um, in 2021, she started having loss of consciousness seizures. Um, she's a young mom. She had a baby at home. Um, she wasn't able to drive. And so we were just praying for healing for her. Um, she was diagnosed with epilepsy, was put on medications. Um, and in the fall of 2023, in the calendar year, her scans were completely clear. Dark areas of her brain were completely lit up again, and she is completely healed. You know, Abby's amazing, right? Like, you can hear that just in her testimony, like so many things that... She just said, like, oh, I'm just going to, we're going to lean in. We're going to participate. I've got this prayer list and things that, and I'm going, you're just a normal person, right? You're not like, and, and I think that's what's so powerful is that you just really got serious. And it, like, we're going to take this to a different level with God. And then God is a promise keeper. And it doesn't always turn out that way where in the calendar year, it's like, I don't hear you promising, hey, if you pray this year, you're going to get everything answered in 2024. But what I hear is a woman, a sister who is really just responsive to God's heart. And so often the way that God does start is in us personally. And so for you to, to be able to pray one Psalm 39, Psalm 139, I don't know what I just said there. And, and for you to to do something with it is super powerful. And that cleared your heart to, to really lean into all the other things that you wanted to contend for. So number one, thank you. Thanks for just being who you are, for sharing all that. Um, I'm certain that there are some people who needed to hear what you shared this morning. Yeah, of course. Um, last thing I'll share is just reading through that list, um, 
just kind of re reignited my spirit for this year of like, God, I'd completely forgotten what you did, and that wasn't that long ago. Um, so it just reignited like why we're doing this. Um, and then also just made, you know, you have your like your goals and you have your stretch goals. So I have like my prayers and I have like my stretch prayers. And so healing feels like a stretch prayer. But seeing that list and even the, the small, the small prayers on that list answered, um, it just makes the stretch prayers seems so much more possible. Like nothing is impossible, it's equally as possible. So, you know, there's a lot of the same things on my list from last year that I'm praying for this year. But salvation for some of these people seems impossible, but it's not, it's equally as possible. Yeah, that's so good, Abby. All right, what would you, what would you share with our church family? This last week coming into the fest, what's some like, what's a, just some practical, you know, Here's what I'd share with you just as, as your sister. What's something you'd share with our church family? Um, I don't think it's too late to start. Um, 29 days, however many, George and I have argued if it's 29 or 30 days, however long this fast has gone on, is a very long time to fast. But seven days isn't too long to fast. Like, you can start today. Um, and just like we were, I think we were talking about it on a prayer call this week of like the word of God does not return void. Um, and so just start now, like, uh, you know, just creating this discipline and it is a discipline. Like some days you just really don't feel like it. And sometimes you don't have the words to pray. And so you open to a liturgy and you pray that instead, but um, it's not too late to start. And like it will, you will reap a harvest and it, and it won't return void. All right. Hey, will you just pray? We pray over our church family. I'm going to stretch you here. And just pray over us. We do that. I feel like this is, um, I told Brandon, I'd rather pray on a Zoom call all day than stand up on the stage. So sure. Um, Lord Jesus, we just, as a body, as brothers and sisters, we just love you. We, you're just so kind to us. Um, your goodness is just unending. And we just want to praise you for that. We just, I just want to, um, present part of my story before you and just say, this is all him. Like, this is nothing I did. I just showed up, God. And we just, we just want to show up and we just want you to do the work, you to speak through us, that we would just be your vessels, Lord Jesus, because you're on a mission and you have like incredible work to do. And if we would just get out of your way, God, so I just pray that we would get out of your way, that we would open our hearts and just, um, yeah, just be willing to listen to what you have to say, just clear away the distractions that we can hear your voice clearer. It's so sweet and it's so true. Yeah, God, we just we just trust you and we believe that and we say that as we um, go into this last week of the fast, would you just meet us there like you haven't met us yet in the three weeks before? Would you just meet us exponentially in this last week, Lord? I'm gonna pray. Yeah, will you help me just thank Abby for today? That was so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Seriously, man, I love, I just love what God's doing. And I hope that, that there was something that she shared that really stood out with you. And I encourage you to, to not move past that, to write it down. You know, that, I love that language, Abby, of what's my stretch prayer like? And, and maybe that'll be something that we lean into more fully this next week. What are the, um, the things that are, man, would be, would be a stretch, but because God is who he is. And so um, thanks, Abby, uh, for sharing. Um,
we've been in John 15 the past um, three weeks, and we're going to stay there today and finish up next week. And, um, and I, I want to just kind of remind us of, of our context of this conversation. And so some of you have been tracking with us. Some of you, this is the, the first week that you've been with us. And so um, John 15, it's, it's, it's right in the middle. You know, this is the, the night before Jesus will be crucified. And he just gets done eating dinner with his disciples. It's the, the meal that maybe you, you know referred to as the Last Supper. And, and Jesus and his disciples are, are in Jerusalem. They're overlooking this Kidron Valley. It's this valley that, that right beside the city of Jerusalem filled with all these grapevines, all this, these rich grapes and this harvest. And Jesus takes advantage of, of the, 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 his surroundings to give his disciples an object lesson of what life is like with him. And so if you've been tracking with us uh, three weeks ago, Dave kind of gave us an overview of John 15, that all this beautiful vine and vine dresser and fruit, all this language, and Jesus is just a master, not just a teacher, but he knew that if they could see it, it'd go down into their heart in a different way. And so Dave gave us an overview of, of John 15. And then the past couple of weeks, we've, we've really kind of been hovering over different parts of John 15, but honing in on, on certain key phrases. And so two weeks ago, we talked about the, the word abide or the word remain or the word stay and, and what it looks like for us as, as sons and daughters, as his followers, to stay in constant relationship with him. And then last week, if you were with us, we had the, car, the hard conversation that is so beautiful that most of us don't talk about or think about, but this idea of pruning. And, and it's the work that God does in all of us sometimes to, to remove good things from our life, to make room for better things. And, and it was just this incredible conversation. And so, you know, we've been talking about different parts of John 15. And today, we're going to look at this phrase that comes up two different times in just a, sh- a few short distance apart. And, and it's this phrase where Jesus says, I want you to, to love each other. To love each other. And whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, um, you're probably um, at least somewhat familiar that, that loving people is, is central to who we are as God's people. That loving other people is, is foundational to what it actually means to be a, a Christ follower. Now, a couple things that I want to mention here real quickly. You know, um, lots of people over the years, and I'm not in- inviting you to think about people in your mind, but just, just a general statement. Lots of people over the years have claimed to be Christ followers, but some of those same people are the most unloving people on the planet, and that is confusing. Some have, have seen this, claiming to follow Christ, claiming to love people, and yet everything about their life and their actions and their words says something different. And so many people have distanced themselves from Christ and from Christ's follower because they just don't want to be associated with that. And on some level, I get that. But my encouragement to you is if, if that's your story, if that's you today, don't let a few rotten apples keep you from the tree. Here's what I mean. My, my grandmother actually grew up on a farm in small town Kentucky. She had grapevines on her property. And she had trees, apple trees growing on her property in her yard. And so we would go see my grandmother and we would go out to the apple tree. We'd go out to the grapevine and, and on the vine, sometimes there were rotten grapes. And, and just because there were rotten grapes or because there were rotten apples, it didn't keep us from, from engaging. What I did is I just, I went and I found the sweet grapes. 
And I went and found the, the good apples. And I want to encourage you, man, Jesus, like he actually lived this out, loving people perfectly. And as genuine Christ followers, we're aiming to do that. Many of us are genuinely aiming to do that. And we're not going to hit the target every time. But we will admit it when we miss it. And we'll say we're sorry and we will do better. So I want you to hear this morning that, that as, as, as followers of Jesus, and if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here, man, we are sorry when we've missed it. And we're sorry when we've done things and we've said things that, that are not true of Jesus and, and we're sorry for, for our actions, but, but I hope that you will have the, the ability to go, you know what, there are a few rotten grapes and I actually sense that there is genuineness here and you'll actually look at your own life and realize that you have some own, your own inconsistencies and, and, and that, that this would not keep you from Jesus. Second thing I want to speak into just really quickly is that, that this word love, when Jesus says love each other, it has so many different meanings, right? If we went around the room, we would all probably define love in, in a different way. And some of you have been hurt by people who said they were going to love you. And, but I want to just give us kind of a working definition today. Scott McKnight, writer, author, gives this definition. And I want you to just to, to think about this for a minute. He says, love is a rugged commitment to be with someone to be for someone unto Christ-likeness for as long as it takes. Think about that. That picture of love, that depth of love, that type of love. Let's jump into our text. I want to read John 15, starting in verse 9 for us this morning. This is the word of the Lord. 737, if you're using one of our Bibles. It says, as a father has loved me, this is Jesus, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. All week as I've been wrestling honestly the past few weeks as we've been just thinking about this passage and putting this passage in our heart and, and trying to memorize it so that we can recall it and live into it. I've, I found myself this week just, just putting this passage in, in my own words. And I want to invite you to, I'm not going to publish this. This is not, you know, the, the new passion translation that I'm going to, you know, submit to, to Eugene Peterson's publishers. But I want you just to, to hear these words maybe in a little bit different way. John 15, and my paraphrase, words of, of Jesus, my friends, understand the depth of love that God has for you. Don't get distracted or discouraged or think that you can do life by yourself. Don't distance yourself from me. Rather, put yourself continually in a place to receive love from me. 
Just like in every strong relationship, there is effort and intentionality, something you sow into the relationship so it's not one-sided. With me, stay in this place of enjoying my love and being in relationship with me by doing what I ask of you. And what I ask of you, lest you forget, actually brings you joy. Not just a partial joy, but a life that is filled to the brim of it. So listen, here's what I'm telling you. will bring you the most joy-filled life. Love each other the exact way I've loved you. And if you do that, you'll show yourself to be my friends. I've already shown you that I'm yours. And I want to work through you and work all throughout your life to do so much good for my glory. And so here's what I'm telling you to do. Love each other. And I want us to hone in on that phrase. We're just going to hover right there this morning. Love each other. And so in this command, there's a call really for us to do three things. To see, to remember, and to give. And so the first thing that I want us to think about in this passage when, it, when, when we're talking about loving other people is, man, to, to see what God cares about. So when Jesus looks at us and he says, this is my command, love each other. Love each other, Eli. Love each other, Sandra. Love each other, Caleb. Man, you, 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 you learn something about someone. When you, when you look at the, the rules that they live by and they, let, and they lay down. And so here's what I mean. I was thinking about growing up in the house that I grew up in. And I was thinking about the, the rules that my mom and dad set in place for our family. And we had several rules. You know, um, one of the rules was, hey, no one from the opposite sex goes in your bedroom. And I'm like, good rule, mom. Now that I'm a parent, like, you know, didn't love that rule as a teenager, but love that rule as a parent. And, you know, second, another, another, another rule that my family laid down in our family, and this was really created for me as an elementary, as an elementary school kid. Um, if you repeat the cuss words, that you hear in the Ninja Turtle movies that you're watching, you will get your mouth washed out with soap. And it happened several times. <laughs> Another rule in my family, hey, we, we do not lie in our family. We tell the truth. Another rule in our family is that we, we prioritize the Lord. We prioritize his people over sports, over everything. And I look back and I was thinking about the, the rules that my parents, the commands that my parents put in place at our house. And, and at the time, maybe I thought that they were restrictive. But as I look back now, I'm going, no, what I see is that in the commands, you, I actually saw what my parents cared about. That they cared about us being trustworthy kids. That they cared about us having clean mouths. That they, clean, they cared about us being holy. That they cared about us from a young age understanding that, that the Lord and his people matter more than anything else in this life. And I look back and, and I can see in all the commands the things that my parents cared about. And, and I go, man, let's, let's get below the surface because some of you are getting caught up on that word command. But, but I want you to see below the command and, and to go, what is Jesus conveying about who he is? When and he says, my command is that you love each other. And what he's conveying is how important that is. He could have told us so many different things. I mean, the Lord could have said, hey, I command you, Dave Wilson, every year you need to go to Jerusalem and see the Holy Lands. 
I command you every single year, Jonathan, you need to do the 30-day shred in January. You need to read through the Bible every year in January. I command you, John, every year in February, you need to fast for the whole month. And, and the Lord, let's just, let's be real. Like he, he, he could come to us and, and lay down all kinds of commands and, and don't hear what I'm not saying because the scripture is full of commands, but, but there are many things that God has for us. But I like the way that Paul summarizes in Galatians 5:14, where he says the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbors yourself. And what Paul is saying is that Everything in scripture, every command is pointing at, helping us be people that actually love the Lord and that love other people. This matters so deeply to God. And so many of you, you know this, and, 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 and you're like, Brandon, let's talk about something else. Like, you know, but I go, man, we, we know this, but isn't it true so often? We know it in our heads, but that, that life just has this way of, of making it fuzzy and we lose track. And so there's something this morning that I think the Lord's wanting to refresh us. You know, we could, we could fast all month and we could memorize all of John 15 and we could show up on every prayer call and we could gather every time people are, are gathering to pray. But if we are not loving others, we're actually missing it. Now, an immature response is, well, let's just love people, and let's not fast, and let's not read. Let's just give our lives. To, that's a very immature response. A mature response is, no, how do we keep showing up? And how do we let those things propel us? There's some kind of disconnect that's happening. There's been many seasons in my life, so I'm not pointing fingers where, where I've shown up and, you know, I'm, I'm fasting, and then, you know, I am just so rude to Courtney, my bride. Or I'm so impatient, and it's like, I'm, I bet the Lord is like, how are you missing this? Like, these practices, these, these things that you're doing are meant to, to help you love other people. And, and, and I go, guys, we see in this, Two different times, a few short verses, Jesus says, this is my command. And in this command, number one, we see what God cares about. The second thing that I want us to look at in this command, there is a call to remember how God has loved us. And so I love this phrase where Jesus said to his disciples, love each other. And he doesn't just say love each other. He says, love each other just as I've loved you. Just as I've loved you. And I was thinking about that this week, and, and, I, and I got lost a little bit as, as I was thinking about Peter and Andrew and James and John and Thaddeus and Bartholomew, how they would have heard that when Jesus looks at these very real men and these people that were gathering him, he says, I want you to, to, to I'm, I'm about to go to the cross, and for the rest of your life, I want you to love each other the same way that I've loved you. And I go, what would they have thought of? Like very tangibly, how had Jesus loved them? And I'm just Rolodexing through the, the Gospels, and I'm going, thinking about different stories. I mean, there were, Jesus provided for them. Jesus instructed them. Jesus corrected them. Jesus was patient with them. Jesus challenged them. Jesus prayed for them. Jesus was faithful to them. Jesus was consistent. Jesus defended them from religious bullies. Jesus pursued them. Jesus called them. And I was getting lost thinking about all the ways that they experienced the tangible love of Jesus. And I was going, man, how have I experienced his love? 
Man, he put me in a loving family that prioritized the Lord from a young age. He's forgiven me of so much sin, so many seasons of backsliding. He's filled me with his spirit. He's made me a son. He's anchored me in the hope that will come in the age to come. He's worked through me despite me being a work in progress. He stayed with me. He's never given up on me. He's given me so much more than I deserve. He's provided for me. He's listened to my prayers. He's encouraged me. He's strengthened me. He's comforted me. He's put courage in my heart. He has pruned me. He has disciplined me. And the, dis- the difference in pruning and discipline is, is prunings when you're doing something good, disciplines when you're doing something wrong. And there have been so many seasons in my life of, of God coming in a, in, in a way that disciplined me because he didn't want me to keep going down the same path. I want you to, to, to take some time this week. And if you're a follower of Jesus, to, to really meditate on this, to maybe even journal it. How have you experienced the love of Jesus personally? Get it out of your head. Get it into your heart. The reality is if we're ever going to have a desire, if we're ever going to have the discipline, like Abby was talking about, to actually live into this command to love each other, The motivation for for loving other people comes when you first remember how loved you have been by God. In this command, there's there's a call to see what God cares about, number one. There's a call to, to remember how he has loved us. And the third thing is that there's a call to give this love to others. You know, we don't get to define what love is. And then give that love to others. No, Jesus says, the way that I've loved you, that's the type of love I want you to give to others. And so when I look at, when I look at that command, when I hone in on it, when as a disciple of Jesus, I go, you know what? If Jesus keeps circling back to this and saying this is a priority, I want to let that be a priority in my life. So how has he loved me? Well, he's been patient with me. And so that means... I should be so patient with my kids, with my friends, with that, that there should be this patience in me that, that he's been so forgiving of me. So I should be so forgiving. God has been so kind to me. I should be the most kind person in the world because of how he's treated me. God gave up his life for me. Man, I should give up my life for others. That God has provided for me in financial ways, in emotional ways. And I go, if he's done that for me, I should do that for other people. God doesn't give up on me even when I backslide. So I shouldn't give up on other people when they backslide. God never harms me. Doesn't mean he doesn't prune. Doesn't mean there are things that hurt. but, But God never comes to take advantage and to hurt and to wound. And so we should never do that to other people. Should never not take, we should never take what's not ours. Never harm. God pursued me, so so we should pursue others. We shouldn't be a, a bunch of insulated, isolated, exclusive people. We should be the most welcoming, swing the door open, pursue the lost, bring them in, love them, like because that's what God did for us. 
God said the hard things to me. Love isn't just, you know, forgiving and patient. Sometimes love comes in the the, the form of, of hard words that come in love. Some of the most loving moments in my life have been when people have said the hard things to me that I didn't want to hear, but I needed to hear. I remember I had a youth pastor growing up, and he looked at me, and he said, hey, you don't need to date that girl. I didn't want to hear it. I knew it was true. Or I think about my senior year of high school. I was class president, had all this leadership and, and influence. And, and I remember I was a part of this, this group of friends, and we would dress up for all the, the varsity basketball games. And we just had a blast. And I remember one time, probably lots of times, but one time we, we just got carried away, and we said some things in a game, and we said some things in a pep rally that, that were just too far. Like, we're pointed at a person, and looking back now, I'm like, God, you should have just struck me dead. Like... And I remember getting a call to the principal's office as a senior in high school. And my principal said, hey, the principal at the, the, the other school in town wants to meet with you. Have you ever gotten called to the principal's office at another school? <laughs> so I drive to cross the county to this school and and I knew the principal. She's an amazing woman. She worked with my mom in special ed as a, as a teacher. And, and I walked in, and, and she meets me in the hallway, and, and she says, you're better than that. I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm really sorry. Or I think about many, many years ago, there was a friend, and he was a follower of Jesus, and he just started spiraling, just started walking away from God many months of just running from God and, and I get a call from him one day and I go to his house and, and he's excited to catch up with him and see how he's doing and he looked me right in the eyes and he said, Brandon, for months I've been running from God and you said and did nothing. And I go, guys, some, we, we've, we've made love something weak. And when Jesus looks at us and he says, Maddie, I want you to, to love people. It's a love that costs us. A love that hurts. A love that's willing to say things to people that we love, even though they might think different than us, but, but we know they need to hear it. And we're not saying it as, as judgmental. We're not saying it as rude. We're saying it because we actually genuinely love them. And, and Jesus raises a bar. He says, I want you to be people. that love others, that lay down your life for them. And real quickly, I want to talk through a couple threats and a couple opportunities. And so, you know, what are some threats that we need to be aware of looking for that keep us from living into this command? 
you know, I think we all agree. We're like, oh, yeah, Brandon, you don't have to remind me. I actually want to love people. I'm not trying to talk you into doing something you don't want to do. But, but life happens and things come our way. And there are a couple of things that I just want to remind us. If this hasn't happened, it will come just to guard your heart. And so uh, a threat to, to living out this command is when we've been wrong. Or when we've been hurt by someone and they do not ask for forgiveness and they do not care that they hurt you. So often when that happens, what happens is that we close ourselves off, we become bitter, we become jaded, we become cynical, we project that onto all people. And I just encourage you, if you're not there now, to be aware of this threat. Another threat to living out this command of Jesus is just getting distracted in life. Some of you, you've been so distracted with money or your career or trying to get that girl or whatever it is, and you've lost sight of it. Some of you, uh, another threat is being so self-consumed. You're, you're only thinking about yourself. Another threat is, is isolation. What will keep you from living out this command is pulling back, pulling away, getting away from people. Be aware. The last thing, then, and this is a personal, um, that a threat to be aware of is just our judgmental spirits. A thing that will keep you from laying down your life for other people is you see something in somebody and you don't like it and you make an opinion and you, you already have them figured out. And I go, let's guard ourselves against being judgmental people. But what about the opportunities? What happens when we live into this? What happens when we leave this place with an intention, with a desire to love each other? What happens when we actually do it? And we're not going to do it perfectly. We're not going to bat, you know, a thousand on this. But what happens when we, when we get this right? Number one, his will is done. And who in this room, the older you get, you go, man, I just really want to live for his will. <laughs> like, I just, I just want to please him. I just want to make my father happy. Another thing opportunity is that that he's glorified in verse 9 you see this it's, it's to my father's glory when we love others brings him glory when when we when we love others in verse 11 there's a joy-filled life another opportunity is that our witness is in stark contrast to the world when you love people the way that Jesus has loved you it stands out the last thing that I'll mention, this is not in any particular order, but when you love people the way that Jesus has loved you, it, it changes people. Think about someone who has loved you really well. At the top of that list is my, is my bride, my wife. Seen me at my best, seen me at my worst. been so patient, been so forgiving, been so kind, so generous in her love, encouraging. And what happens when, when, when someone loves you really well consistently, it changes you. It opens up new and deeper levels of, of love and understanding. And so you're able to offer something different, something deeper to other people. And I go, who wants to love people deeper in this room? I do. I want my love to, I want my life to be about loving people so well that it actually changes them. 
So what do we do with this? Real, real quick, my invitation, if you're not a follower of Jesus, let him love you. You've stood at the vine and you've observed the rotten grapes, but you've actually never come and experienced Jesus. He died for your sin. Which means that you have to come to understand that you're, you have sinned and you have messed up. And that before God, that's a big deal. But Christ got on the cross to pay for your sin. All of it. You have to receive him. You have to receive that, that if you will let him, he will adopt you into his family. You've spent your whole life going your own way, and, and, and he doesn't care about the wasted time. He wants you to come home. He wants to, to make you his son and daughter. He wants you to, to walk through this life with peace. He wants you to walk through death with peace. He wants you to walk through everything with confidence, knowing that even death itself will not be the end of you. That when Christ comes to this earth and the the dead are raised, that you will see him, you will become like him, you will be with him forever. And and you have got to start by letting him come into your life. And and some of you are like, I don't even know what that means. Well, in just a minute, we're going to take communion. There'll be some men and women that respond, man. We'd love to walk with you. Help you through this. Those of you who are Christians, a couple of things, and then I'll be done. Who is someone in your life that is currently loving you really well? And your homework this week is to tell them. To reach out to them and tell them, hey, you've loved me really well. I just want to say thank you. Second kind of bit of homework for us, and we'll talk about this during communion. Hey, is, is there an aspect of the love that God has extended to you? that you're having a hard time extending to others. And so when you think about God as how God has been to you, he's been patient, he's been forgiving, he's prayed, he's pursued. Is there a part of your life right now that you're having a hard time extending to others? And I encourage you in communion just to share those things, to confess and to repent and to pray for each other. And so here's what I invite us to do. I invite us to stand. And all around the room, the, the bar and the tables, there is a piece of bread and a cup of juice, and we take communion. It's the body and the blood of Christ that was broken for us, that was shed for us. And so as we take this in, we remember that, that what Christ has done for us. And we do this together because we think it's important that we're not just a bunch of isolated individuals, that we're community, we're family. And so I encourage you in communion this morning to, to share, to pray for each other. So let me pray, and then we'll go to the communion tables. And so, Lord, thank you for what you're doing. And I pray, God, that you would stir up a fresh just longing in us to, to live in this command and to honor you in all that we say and do. And God, thank you for, for who you are and for, for how consistently you love us. And, and would that change us? And would you, would you send us from this place to love people really well this week? And this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's go and, and get communion from one of the tables. You can come back to your seats. You can go to the respond banner if you want prayer.